to the Clients and Conversions Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Clem, and I've helped fellow entrepreneurs and business owners just like you harness the power of social media to grow your audience by the hundreds, 2x their launch sales, and have client leads banging down the door to book a call with you. And I'm the first to say that hustling and searching hours online for your next client or student is not the vital ingredient to your success or even your happiness. This podcast is for driven entrepreneurs, from coaches to course creators and everything in between, to access practical and actionable tactics on everything from how to get clients with Instagram advertising, and really unlock the keys from sales and social media to get growth with the simplest tools possible, while keeping it just long enough to get you through your walk, drive, or workout. So stick with us for this episode and the ones to come so you can get more clients and sales in less time. Now let's get into it. Hey guys, today we have on Joey C. Vitali of Indie Law, who's a trademark attorney who helps digital CEOs call dibs on trademarks so they don't lose their brand. Welcome to the show, Joey. Thank you so much, Danielle, for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am too, because I think what's really amazing about what you've done is really cultivated this kind of like corner for yourself in the online space around obviously anything legal wise entrepreneurs are still slower <laughs> to get to, but I think even more so is trademarks is becoming this thing where a lot of people think that you have to be, you know, six figures and over to be able to start the trademark process, which is really not the truth, which we'll find out later in the episode. But before we go into all that good stuff, I'd love to go into a little bit about the beginning of your journey, kind of what led you to going down this path and all that kind of good milestone stuff. Sure. So, um, <laughs> I am probably the last person you would ever expect to go to law school. Um, no one has ever told me like you would be a great lawyer. Um, I hate arguing. I don't like confrontation. Um, and it, it shouldn't have shocked me as much as it did when I was trying to get a job. And I was like, oh, being in the courtroom and doing these depositions, like, is this not painful for anybody else? Hmm. Um, but I, I went to law school, um, honestly, mostly because I was still kind of an undecided major, even after college, and I wasn't sure what to do. Um, and it seemed like this, the safe thing to, to, to do after school, if you still want to stay in school, is go to law school or med school. Yeah. And I'm one of seven kids. Somebody had already gone to med school. So I was <laughs> like, okay, I'll, I'll do the law school uh, route. And... Like I said, I learned pretty quickly that um, I wasn't a good fit for um, kind of the default picture of what a lawyer looks like. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that started the journey um, ultimately that led me to starting my own law firm around three years ago. And I never thought that I would have my own business, um, let alone a law firm. But I've learned that those same qualities that make me a really bad courtroom attorney have allowed me to just really attract amazing entrepreneurs and business owners that I love working with more proactively. Um, and one of the reasons why I focus on trademarks so much right now is because I used to be like a kitchen sink lawyer for mm -hmm. business owners and I thought the same thing you you did, Danielle. I mean, I was um, I was trained in kind of all of the different legal stuff that a business kind of needs help with, and um, even lawyers 
kind of had that expectation of, oh yeah, trademark is kind of like the legal version of a Instagram verification badge. Mm -hmm. Like eventually you'll do it. It's a cool thing to finally have, but you don't really need it. And it was really interesting for me to learn not just the legal side of it, but the practical entrepreneurship side of um, business owners just getting blindsided by these trademark issues that they didn't even know to look out for. And so the more that that was happening with our clients, the more we realized that, you know, we, we have to do what we can to get out in front of this, to educate entrepreneurs that um, in addition to all of the risks that they kind of know to watch out for, like contracts, LLCs, that kind of stuff. um, There are things to think about when it comes to trademarks and even naming your business before you think about trademarking. Um, that you just want to be aware of what those pitfalls are, what those risks are um, before you start making decisions, not realizing that there's a legal side to these decisions. Yeah, that's a huge thing that I really commend you for because yeah, definitely now that I'm envisioning you in the courtroom, I definitely could not see it (laughs) whatsoever in a great way. Like you said, like you have so many good qualities that are meant for entrepreneurship and helping others in a way that's outside of the courtroom, but still helps them in the legal realm. And I think that's so amazing that you've been able to really find your place when it comes to like where you really hone in on and what you know people need help with. And I want to go into this deeper because like you said, trademarks and naming are becoming more apparent. I mean, every single day there's a new program coming out or a new podcast, anything like that. And even I've noticed it for me as well. You know, when I look to rebrand my podcast, I had a couple ideas of like what I wanted to name it. And two of those names were already like taken by other podcasts. So it's really important to talk about this because like you said, it doesn't, you shouldn't even be waiting until six figures, especially if you have some type of program or methodology that really you are known for. So I'd love for you to go into a little bit of kind of like, what do you find are for trademarks in general, what's kind of like most people's quote unquote symptoms of like when they're ready to trademark something? Okay. So let me start by just asking you a couple of questions, Danielle. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say that you have this idea for either like a new business name or um, something that you have to name in your business. Mm-hmm. And um, you come up with some like combination of words, like this phrase that you like. And you think, oh, like I want to make sure that, you know, I can use this. What do you typically do to make sure that the name is like quote unquote available? I honestly, from what I've done and what I know my clients have done, literally Google. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you Google it, you see if there's any other websites or stuff out there. And granted, when I look for them, even though let's say like for a podcast, I don't remember what one of the names was that I was looking at, but there was one that was there, and I don't think they trademarked it, but they had it as like a podcast that's been that was around for a bit. So okay. that was, I think, that's, I think the only way that I really checked out stuff was Google okay. or Instagram. Okay. So if you, inst- let's say that you search it on Instagram and you see that like, there's an account with that name. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of a deal breaker for you? 
Depends on honestly if the Instagram is like, or even if the brand is still going to this day and if it has like some type of following. If it's, you know, like under 80 followers and there's like no real movement, I'd probably double think it. But if it's, you know, still going, probably I would back off. Okay. And le- so let's say that there, you don't see any issues on the first few pages of Google. Everything looks okay on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ran some searches and saw that like domain names were taken, mm. would that be an issue? Yeah, I think that's that'd be a, definitely a, a red flag for me just because okay. I've noticed for myself, I mean, like you said, we talked about this earlier before the podcast and him and I both have, you know, popular names he might you might have more popular name than I do but I was lucky enough to get a website domain that was actually my name Mm. versus before you know like before I used to go by Danielle Marie and there's so many of those in there that I couldn't be able to get that one right yeah the the more common your name is the hardest to get it and are you a big like dot com fan or will you get like any type of I love .com. I yeah. am a I'm a traditionalist. Okay. Well, and everybody who's listening, like, take notes because Danielle is obviously doing this. Like, regardless of what I say, like, she's a smart, <laughs> she's a successful business owner. Like, these are good steps here. Um, and let's let's say that the name that you want to do is like specifically for the business. Mm-hmm. So you create an LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, if you did a search and you found out that another business already had the LLC name in your state, would that be an issue for you? hundred percent. Okay. Um, and all right, so let's stop there. We haven't even gone into trademarks and you've already done quite a few kind of name availability checks. Mm-hmm. So, and most people kind of stop there. If everything looks cool, then they think that they're fine. Mm. Um, some people are smart enough about the legal side of things to know that um, there might be trademark concerns there. And so they'll run a search in the free trademark database, uspto.gov, to see if the name is available. Mm. And if you get to that point, like you're, you've got some IQ there. Like that's a smart thing to search for that a lot of entrepreneurs don't do. Mm-hmm. But there's a risk there. And this is like the big, one of the big mistakes that we just want to help educate business owners on is that everything else that you've talked about, the domain name, the LLC, the Instagram handle, it's showing up on Google. For the most part, if if there's, as long as the specific word or phrase is available, you kind of feel fine, right? Mm, Yeah. Um, that type of literal kind of variation thinking in terms of availability, a lot of people take that mindset and they apply it to trademarks and they run a, what we call a knockout search, um, saying, is this specific, you know, word or phrase taken? Mm. And that can be really dangerous because the way that trademarks work is that your trademark application will get denied if there's another word or phrase that's been claimed for a similar offering that's not the exact same, but it's too similar. 
So it could be the words in a different order. It could be, you know, the plural version of your single word. It could even be that phrase in a different language. Wow. And so one, I would say probably the most valuable thing that we do as a law firm is run that more comprehensive search. Yeah. And what's interesting about it is that we're not even talking yet about should you trademark this word or phrase. We're still on the topic of is this available? Because if, if you end up using a name, a word or a phrase that might not be the exact same, but it's too similar for you to get your own trademark, if you're doing that now, then you might be accidentally infringing on another trademark and not realize it. That is something that, like you mentioned, so many entrepreneurs are now, even I think before I met you, I never even considered or knew that there was the ability to look up, you know, anything around trademarks or LLCs just from a, you know, Google search or from a, a website specifically, because like you said, it's not talked about. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard because I think, and you being, you know, a Facebook, Instagram ad strategist, I know you know this too, like business owners are getting smarter Mm -hmm. and they're starting to as much as possible kind of try and know what they need to know in different areas of business. Yeah. And one of the consequences of that is what I call um, drive through business help (laughs) where it's like, there's Danielle Clem inside the drive through restaurant and you make your order, say what you want her to do, and then you want to pick it up at the end. Mm. The danger with that is that people are thinking that because of their research, because of what they already know about business, that they know the right questions to ask, that they, they know what to come to you for. And that can be particularly dangerous on the legal side of things. And it's becoming more popular with things like LegalZoom and, and you know, people having mm. different contract templates. People saying, oh, based on all of this, I feel confident that I should only be asking for this legally. Um, and again, the, the reason why I now focus on trademarks is because so many of my clients were being blindsided by these issues and saying, I wish somebody would have told me this when I first started. That is so true when it comes to, like you said, it bleeds into so many other areas of entrepreneurship as well. I mean, I see this happen with ads too. I mean, there's courses out there, there's other things out there that quote unquote can help you to learn the, you know, the tech part of ads, but the strategy when it's not there, that's when a lot of problems happen outside of just like, if your ad's not approved, but what about if it doesn't convert? And this is like Joey said, it, it applies to so many other areas because so much of our society and like behaviors are being now shifted over to that drive-through mindset when it can really plague or have bad consequences just for the sake of convenience. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I want to go into this deeper too for those who are listening to this and probably are doing a mini a panic attack because <laughs> they're wondering, okay, now what do I do uh, if I don't know about this? So what do you find for a lot of people when they hear this and they're like, okay, I got to go figure out now what even to do about trademarks for my business. 
what do you think should be the first thing or even second thing that they should look to trademark? Because like you said, there's your business name for others. Like we both know there's uh, people who have methods that are trademarked, signature products that are trademarked. What do you find would be like the number one thing that you think the entrepreneur needs to trademark ASAP? Okay. So let's take a step back. It's a great question. Um, but to answer it, I want to kind of use um, a little bit, bit of a visual. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you're, and I know that Danielle appreciates visuals. So mm-hmm. let's say that you're like, you know, you're running your business, you're driving a car. And anytime you run into any type of a legal problem, it's like one of your tires goes flat. Mm-hmm. And so whether, you know, you have a contract issue with a client or an independent contractor, um, you know, that's a, that's a flat tire. Like that's something that kind of obviously hurts you being able to run the business, but you can like put a spare on it. Like the rest of your business can run while you're dealing with that issue. Mm. Um, or let's say that, you know, there's, there's a copycat who's stealing your stuff. Um, different types of issues on the legal side, um, I try and be like a very glass half full kind of person. And the legal side can be very, very scary, but I like reminding people that, you know, your business can still run even mm-hmm. if you are start to, starting to deal with some of these risks. The problem, the potential problem with trademarks is that it can flatten all of your tires at once. Mm. Meaning that if you receive a cease and desist letter saying you can no longer use this word or phrase, that could potentially stop you from continuing to move the car. Like you can't grow the business anymore. Yeah. Because you can't promote the name of the thing that you need to promote. And so it's different for different businesses, but whether it's your business name or your framework, most businesses have one kind of thing that they're marketing that's making them different in their marketplace. Mm that really kind of stands out as the, if we can't talk about this thing, we can't grow the business. Mm. That's the thing that you probably want to protect first. I agree. And this is something where it really makes you have to kind of look at your business from a bird's eye view and really identify what is something that you hold dear when it comes to your business? What do people come and reach out for you for? Obviously for, for me, I can't trademark Facebook and Instagram ads, nor would I want to, but I could trademark the methodology in which I use for it or the process in which I have for it. And I think it's really important for those who are building their business, especially if you've already had success, already had clients and are now in this space of kind of like an up level. Doesn't mean you have to have to get six figures, but just like that next level of you this is where it's really important for you to really get more serious about trademarks and just legitimizing your business as a whole too. Yeah. The, the truth is that over half a million trademarks get applied for every year. Mm. And so there's a really good chance that somebody is using or applying for a trademark that's the same or similar to yours, just because of the way that the English language works. And so it's just, it's, we, and we talked about this at the very beginning, this idea of people thinking, oh, I'll wait until I hit some milestone before it's time to think about trademarks. Mm -hmm. The reality is that until you secure your trademark, 
your entire brand is running on thin ice. Speaking of which, I'd love to go into as well, the trademark process. You talked about this with me and think of the people before, but what do you think is the normal timeline in which from start to finish that trademark process has to go through? Yeah. So minimum, it takes six months. Mm-hmm. You have to remember that what we're doing here is um, the trademark registration. So when we talk about getting trademarked, what we're talking about really is filing for something at the federal level and having the the federal government issue a certificate that allows you to like use that cool circle R symbol mm-hmm. and say that you have a federally registered trademark. It's it's kind of like birth certificates. Um, you're born regardless of whether or not you can point to a birth certificate or not, but the birth certificate is that proof that we can all look to that has more details and information around you being born. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens with trademarks. Automatically, you get free trademark rights. Uh, like you have trademark rights as soon as you start using that word or that phrase in commerce, but you don't have any hard evidence of it until you get that registration. That is so interesting. And this is something, this is a question that I have heard before, but I don't think I've ever asked you personally. So obviously there's people who on your Apple phone or on your desktop, you have emojis. And some of those emojis actually have the TM, the copyright, those type of like the look of trademarks signs. Obviously on Apple phone and computers, there's the emojis and the cop, there's like the copyright symbol, the TM, all that kind of stuff. What is the legal implication in, I cannot say that word, implications around people using that? Because I've seen this happen before where either people give ill-informed advice or they'll just use it willy-nilly with either not going through the application process of trademarks or just using it to hopefully uh, fend off those who might use it. Yeah, so I'll tell you the answer, but what do you think? I mean, I don't think it's ethical. <laughs> okay, and so there are two different trademark symbols. Mm-hmm. There's the little TM mm-hmm. and the circle R. Mm-hmm. The little TM can be used by anybody and you don't need a trademark registration to use it. Mm. So when we talked about you automatically having these trademark rights, um, even if you don't have a registration, that's what the TM symbol can be used for. And that can be helpful if for whatever reason you either haven't applied for the trademark or it's pending. Um, you can use that TM symbol to let people know that you're claiming it as a trademark and can be a strong deterrent. You can only use the circle R once it's registered Mm. and using that circle R without the proper permission to do so is against the law. That's where I think the other piece comes from because I've seen it before where people use those signs all up the Wahoo even though I know not personally but I know of their business enough to know that they're either new or they're not at that level yet to where they have applied for anything. And I think that's a really important distinction for those who are listening to this, because like you said, even just using that R can really affect your business. Obviously, it's always good to have your brand be transparent and like as ethical as possible. But I think there's always been something there that I've never enjoyed of where 
people use those signs or those symbols, like you said, either without full education of them or coming from a place of like, I don't want anyone to have it, but I'm also not actively trying to like go through the process as well. Yeah. Um, at the, so it sounds like the, one of the questions that comes from that is like, how big of a deal is it if you use a circle or symbol when you're not supposed to? Um, and yes, it's against the law. There can be penalties for it. Um, but that introduces like another really important question of like, what are the big risks that can come from not protecting my trademarks? Mm. And one of them that people tend to think of is like, oh, I could receive a cease and desist letter and have to change in like under 30 days, mm. which like that is a nightmare situation, um, even on its face. But the clients that we work through that have had that happen to them across the board have told us like, this was super frustrating and scary when it, like when it happened, when we received mm -hmm. the letter but actually having to go through the work of changing everything under a time frame, Like if you have a podcast name and someone tells you you can't use it, you have to reach out to all of your past podcast guests, tell them that they have to change the name of everything. Um, it's a lot of wow. work. Yeah. And that's a lot. I mean, as a business owner, for, for you to think that, um, you being able to handle handle a, a rebrand relatively easy is, in my opinion, a incredibly limiting belief that you have about your business. It's also just incredibly untrue, because <laughs> I mean, this is something where you and I obviously have gone through. Myself specifically, I did the I did a webinar rebrand a little bit ago around changing the messaging, and even Joey knows. Like I, I think I had it for under a month and that's just a webinar. That's one piece of one offer mm -hmm. of one marketing. And even that alone, I was like, I was mentally and emotionally drained <laughs> at the end of those couple of weeks. And again, that was one part of one offer, not even your whole brand in general. Right. But the, the other nightmare situation, in addition to a cease and desist letter, is uh, brand identity theft. Mm. Meaning, um, somebody else can apply for the trademark, get it, and then send a report to a platform owner like Facebook or Instagram, show them their certificate, and that platform might just change your login password and give them access, um, might force you to change your name so they can start using it. Um, platforms like Facebook, Instagram, all of them that are out there, they take registrations incredibly seriously. Yeah. And um, more and more businesses with not the best of intentions are starting to leverage registration rights um, to mm. get what they want. I remember um, entrepreneur.com did that, didn't they? Or they tried to? They, they are going after every single um, business in like the podcast magazine thought leadership space that tries to trademark anything with the word entrepreneur in it. That's so wild. <laughs> I mean, I even to come to mind, there's at least two or three brands I can think of at this moment that have like entrepreneur on fire, 
um, female entrepreneur association. Like there's so many things I can think of in the online space that have that in there. Yeah. And so if you don't have the pockets to deal with it, then your choices are either rebrand when they tell you to, or be aware of the issue now mm -hmm. so that you can start to be more proactive about a rebrand on your own terms. Yeah. I think that's really important for those to hear around, obviously for so many people, especially if you're in the, in the online space right now, that whatever you're doing for your name or for your brand, it always has to come from that place of obviously creativity is the, the easiest first step, but then legitimacy is the very quick second because yep. you can have a really, again, this is something where in 2020, oh, actually, Ginny, I hired her um, to help me out with uh, brand messaging in 2020. So I think what's really important about this is that I know with her, she's helping me with messaging, but even there, it's going to take my rebrand for a little bit. And that's not even a huge rebrand. And I think it's really important for those to hear this, that although it's the creative part, it's the fun part, quote unquote, I know that that's not the end of it. Like once we finish, that's not going to be the full end. And it's really important to hear that. Yeah. The interesting thing about trademarks is that um, when it comes to copyrights, which is like the other creative work that you can mm -hmm. get registered and protect, copyrights are things like your actual course or program yeah. or um, a photo that you take or a blog that you write. Copyrights get protection automatically because we say that they're intrinsically valuable. Mm. So they have, they have inherent worth because of the skill, perspective, thought, work that you put into creating that piece of work. Yeah. I Trade see that a lot for, for photos. Like you said, photographers always have that. Oh, right. Um, trademarks are similar, but they're very different because they protect something that is inherently worthless. Mm. And so the way that our laws are written and the way that people think about trademarks is that um, a trademark only has valuable has value as your brand reputation grows. Mm. We all now look at like Google and Nike and Adidas and Oprah as like these big names that are just like inherently good names in the marketplace, mm -hmm. but they're only good. They're, they're only distinctive because what the business is built around it. And I think so many business owners when it comes to naming things, they're only thinking about it being catchy, it converting mm -hmm. stuff, it being attractive to their audience. Um, and that can be a part of it, um, but it becomes a much more powerful brand identifier, the less it looks like everything else, the less descriptive it is on its face, and the more that uh, it stands out among the competition as like being uniquely you. I fully agree with this. And this is something that I've seen a lot of, I would say people in their first year and a half to even those who might be even beyond around creating names, like you said, that are catchy. And Lord knows I love alliterations. Oh my gosh, they are like the bee's knees. But I also know that at the end of the day, whatever I choose needs to be really in alignment with my brand values, with how I want to show up. But also, like you said, is different. It's not just like 
going from, I know there's a, a, a program called crickets to customers, then trying to create a program that's like crickets to conversions, because although sure, like he says, catchy, it's, it's different, but it's not really going to be the thing that's going to stand out and make you be remembered in someone's mind. Yeah. I mean, I, my mind these days goes a lot to like Dubsado, mm. like a completely made up word that so many creatives now know and they, they point to. Um, and like that is the power of a trademark. Yeah, that's very true. I didn't think about that around Dubsado. And then I know when I first got into the business like, a couple of years back, Asana was like the, when I ever first heard it, I was like, what? is this? (laughs) I thought it was so weird. And then now I use it all the time. And same thing with things like Slack or ClickUp, like these words that are either um, put together or seemingly random at first glance can really affect the brand in general. Yeah. And if you're like, you guys, are you telling me to pick a crazy made up, like bogus, (laughs) totally non-related name? You can. um, But another good example of, and you can also pick a more, you know, descriptive name for what you're doing Mm -hmm. if it makes sense for you but one of my favorite trademark examples is jaguar Mm. because if i just say i have a company and it's called jaguar like you might have a lot of different ideas in your mind about what it is but when i tell you it's a luxury car company then right away the name starts to suggest qualities about the business yeah And that type of kind of connecting the dots names are, I I think, some of the strongest names you can find. And those are a lot easier to come up with. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is that especially for businesses and brands that you're wanting to build that are more than just yourself, not by like team standards, but just like has that legacy impact factor, usually are around some type of word or just some type of feeling that you're trying to, you know, exude. Right. Yep. So I love that. Okay. One thing I want to pivot into before we go into even more stuff, because I think this is really important for people to hear. You've gone through a pretty massive upload in the last six months. Would you say that? Because I've seen it. Yes. Oh, what have you, what have you seen? I've seen you really show up more as yourself and like really take this corner of trademark into your own lane and make it your own. And because of that, you really, I think visibility wise, you've really grown that pretty quickly, which is really fun to watch. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So we're, we're currently in our third year of business. And I think this has probably been my biggest growth year, both kind of on paper and also personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know this at the time, but when I started my business, I had a very unfair advantage of not knowing anything about business, not knowing who like the thought leaders were in the space. And so I was making a lot of mistakes and not realizing that they were mistakes. Mm. I was taking a lot of action and not having to think about, you know, what would this expert say versus this expert? And I think that that's what is causing a lot of business owners to not move as quickly because mm-hmm. they've, they've invested so much. They've learned so much that they've also learned like conflicting theories and they're always trying to put into practice everything that they have learned so far, which can feel very heavy. And so I now know that 
I kind of had this like lightness when I started of mm. um, not being so afraid of messing up because I didn't really know what good looked like, you know? Yeah. Um, and so fast forward to this year and a couple of things became very clear at the beginning of the year. Um, one was that uh, I was starting to rely on and invest in um, more experts than I needed. They were slowing mm-hmm. me down. They were making me really rethink a lot of things. Um, and I, I really had to just kind of bring the confidence back to myself and say, I don't need to keep outsourcing all of these other big ideas for the company. Like I can do this. Mm-hmm. And if I make mistakes, that's just a part of the process. Um, that's but the, really important. The like, second, oh, sorry, we can no. stop there. Cause I know that that's, that's like a big deep. I just, yeah, thing. I just wanted to like give a moment for that and like for that piece, because you, not just you in general, like you in the, in the bigger sense, we as entrepreneurs can really get caught up with quote unquote experts or thought leaders and take their word or their knowledge as God. And the problem with that is that a lot of us can be highly impressionable or just like really think that they have the right space, which again, they have knowledge and they have these things. But like you said, if you have too many people talking in your ear or too many things that are going to be going on in your brain, you can't really find the clear answer that actually is in alignment with you. So I just, I wanted to give that moment its moment <laughs> before you went on to the second one. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's a big aha moment. It definitely was for me. Um, and then the second thing was that uh, as we were building a lot more visibility, growing the business, you know, the past couple of years, um, I learned when I actually looked at measuring things like conversion rates and stuff mm-hmm. that our, um, our funnel had a lot of holes in it. Yeah. And so, um, before we connected, um, I realized that I had to kind of take a break from being visible for a while while I worked on figuring out how to, you know, plug in those holes, improve our funnel, um, really get deep onto kind of what our, what our messaging is, uh, what our branding is, how we kind of want to steer uh, the future of the business who we want to continue working with. And so once we started to have more clarity and confidence around all of that, then not only did I go visible again, but I could become visible in a much more kind of confident, focused way than I was being, you know, the two years before. Yeah, I want to say, because this is something that I think is really important too, is around, so obviously I do ads for people, but I always say that for ads, they amplify and they either Mm -hmm. provide the good in your business or the bad or holes. So I think it's really amazing that you not only were aware of those conversion, you know, or messaging differences, but you took action on it versus trying to go by like, let's just try and add more people into it. That'll like push it through when you really took a step back and realized, no, let's actually fix these problems now so we can really skyrocket 2020 and forward. Yeah, really thinking, I mean, it's great to set goals and Mm -hmm. it's great to be like, okay, here's what we want to have happen in the year, in the month. Um, But I think one of the biggest accomplishments that my entire team 
you know, I can just applaud for is we, we all decided that having the clarity around those conversion numbers, getting a better sense of um, what our metrics were looking like, mm-hmm. that was the win, not yeah. so much the growth in sales or, you know, hitting some revenue number. I fully agree. I really do. And I think that's such a huge piece that a lot of people kind of take a blind eye to because like you said, they they just keep looking at their goal. They keep looking at the projection they're wanting. And again, that can help you take massive leaps. But if there's certain holes or gaps that you need to fill in first, you're just going to make those holes and gaps even bigger if you don't address them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Before we go on to rapid fire round, one question to kind of finish off this little talk is, what is the number one type of insight or advice that you'd give to someone looking into trademarks right now? Um, so my, my one recommendation would be to um, check out my website. I've got a free training. So just opt into that and I will show you the main mistakes that most business owners make. And that'll be all in the show notes below too, guys. So really do look through this because he helps break it down for you. And also he adds in, again, he adds in his own brand around Boy Meets World and all the kind of fun references. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And and I do have a program that, you know, I, I'll invite you to uh, in that training if it makes sense for you. But regardless, I've just heard so much positive feedback about the the training being helpful. And, you know, this is kind of your chance to choose to, to learn about what you, what you didn't know instead of continuing to try and have that drive through legal solution. I love that. Okay. Now let's go on to rapid fire round, which are really quick four to five questions, kind of helping the audience learn a little bit more about you. So are you okay. ready? Yep. Cool. The first one is favorite book you've ever read or currently reading. Um, a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. Oh, wow. I don't think I've heard of that one before. I had to read it in high school. Um, it was an optional, I, sh- I didn't have to, it was an optional book to read that would give me um, like a complete letter grade bump if mm. I read it. And I had a bad grade on a test. So I was like, I'm going to get this freaking A. <laughs> and it was the biggest book that you could have picked from, but it was like the first book I've ever fallen in love with. That's so funny to me because I kid you not, the last three interviews that I've done for the podcast have all been non-business books, which is really fun for me because I've been loving this. I've been loving actually reading non-fiction or sorry, fiction or things that are not business related recently. I have definitely learned this year that reading business books is not um, reading for pleasure for me. Mm -hmm. 100%. Even if I like it, I still am on the clock when I'm reading a business book. So it's important for me if I'm doing something that is not work, um, I need to be consuming something that won't remind me of work. I fully agree. And for those out there who's looking for a book that I've been actually really loving, it's called Embrace Your Weird by Felicia Day. And Ooh. it's really good. I, I love it because for those who are out there who are like trying to like bring back their inner child with like just random fun stuff. I really recommend this book 10 times over. So <laughs> just want to put that out there in case love that. anyone wants to hear it. Okay. I love that. Next question is what is something you're not very good at or working to get better at? 
I am trying to get better at the ukulele. Funny enough, I'm actually planning on going back to piano next year. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I feel like we're on the same path when it comes to bringing more of things we actually enjoy into our life versus, you know, anything else. Yep. Love it. Okay. What is one characteristic that you believe every entrepreneur should have? A characteristic that I think every single entrepreneur should have. Or even needs to have, like some type of trait or um, something like that. Integrity. Yeah. Um, following through on what you say you're going to do. Mm. And this is particularly on my mind right now because uh, I know that Danielle and I both, you know, we – uh, we really like and prioritize uh, affiliate collaborations in mm -hmm. our businesses because it's a fun way to meet other cool people and, uh, you know, share uh, how other people can help our followers. And I've been surprised even with some of the like quote unquote higher level business owners who agreed to something like an affiliate training and then the week of um, totally just cancel. Yeah. I see that happen even with podcast promotion, you mm -hmm. know, have someone on the podcast, have them go through it and won't even like repost or barely talk about it. So I, I hear you on that one. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to say that you do something, whether it's networking wise with your clients, um, going to the gym, we, we just talked about what we're going to do out of this interview. <laughs> um, I think the more you hold yourself to be a high integrity person, um, the more you're going to see that like impact your business like five times over. I fully agree with that. Okay. Last two questions. What are two tools, mindset, or resources you think every entrepreneur needs to really make their business successful? What are two resources? Yeah. Two resources, tools, or mindset like reframes. Um, one, what I like to call is unclench your butthole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Meaning a lot of us business owners who are struggling and, and we've all had this, but like we stress out, we freak out, we get overwhelmed. Mm. It's probably because we're metaphorically clenching our buttholes and we're, we're taking all of this so seriously. It's no longer fun. Um, we have you know, a scarcity mindset around things. We feel like we're a know-it-all and um, just loosening up can be super helpful mm -hmm. um, and it makes it a lot more fun. The, the second thing is um, we're actually, my team is in the middle of redoing our values right now mm -hmm. in terms of not so much changing the actual values of the company, but like trying to better refine like what the right words are, descriptions, yeah. that kind of thing. And one of the phrases that is on that final contender list is this idea of facts over feelings. Mm. And so it's, it's not that you shouldn't have feelings. Our other value is like big smiles. So we're all about positivity. Um, but at the same time, making sure that you're, you're not getting lost in your own emotions, good or bad, um, as a business owner, especially as you're, you know, building a team, serving your clients. But as much as possible, you're, you're always taking that step back and being as objective as you can with what's going on. 
I think that's a really big point, especially for marketing endeavors. Something that I've done uh, probably in the last week or two, it's actually look and track and see, especially for, for my one-to-one clients to course students and so forth, really see where they came from and you know what was the through lines there so yeah. that you choose the marketing, like you said, based on facts, based on data versus you know, feeling again, if it doesn't feel in alignment with you, that's different versus just like kind of getting your own mental drama about it. Yeah. But even if it's not in alignment with you, like what, what, what's the fact there? Mm. Um, like if you could say it and it's not a, and it's not in a feeling state, um, like how are you physically reacting to that idea? Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of people are going to be having to ask themselves for 2020, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Okay. Last question is what does success look like to you in your own eyes? That's such a good question. Thank you. Um, I have, I've learned that I have a problem, which is that, um, I'm not a very highly motivated person by intrinsic things. Mm. And so because of the way that I was brought up, because of, I think, what I already have and what I feel blessed with, um, I usually don't feel like there's a lot that I don't currently have that I want, that I want to chase after. Mm. Um, and so for a long, and I, this is, these are all long answers. I know this is like a rapid fire round, so sorry. <laughs> um, but this is kind of the way that I am. I've learned that uh, what success means to me is having a huge impact um, and helping people as much as I can. Yeah, I think that's a, that allows to be specific, but still flexible enough to kind of let it flow into whatever you need it to be. Yeah, if I if I built a business based only on what I thought would make like me quote unquote like happy and successful, um, and I'm saying this because I've done it before, then we end up creating really low dreams for the business. I agree, and you really play small. Yeah. Okay. Now that we've gone through so much amazing stuff. I want to go into deeper, talk a little bit about the free training and the program that you have. If people are saying, Hey, I want some more Joey in my life. Where can they find you? <laughs> um, I would say go to Instagram. Um, you can find me at Joey C Vitali. And you can DM me there. I'd love to chat. Um, <laughs> and then you, you mentioned that webinar and, and here's the main thing. So um, <laughs> our, our slogan for our law firm is we put the rad in trademarks. <laughs> and that started out as just like a funny saying because we realized that the word rad was in the word trademarks. Mm -hmm. um, but we have created around that what we call our rad method. Um, and it stands for ready, aim, done. Mm. And um, it's a little hard to explain this when we don't have a visual to help. Um, mm. But even though it's ready, aim, done, the, the mistake that a lot of business owners make is they rush to the done part of getting a trademark. Mm. Um, and if you just use LegalZoom, if you're just looking to trademark something, if you just file an application and hope for the best, it's probably going to get refused. Um, yeah. So the A stands for aim. 
Um, meaning that you put some more time and thought into running your search, running your application, that improves your chances quite a bit. Um, but you still could either not get the trademark or the trademark couldn't protect you the way that you want it to. And so the R stands for ready, which is really to, to understand like the landscape of trademark law, of naming strategy, of um, both the legal and practical side of all of this stuff means not at a super deep black belt ninja level mm -hmm. but just enough for you to start to understand you know what the good questions to be asking are over time um, and so with that rad methodology you are able to work through and handle the kind of easier trademark things that you might have dealing with your business and your brand, and then you can better identify the more complicated situations where you might want to bring a lawyer on. So good. And for those who are wanting to learn even more about this method and the mistakes that a lot of people make around trademarks, his training is going to be all down below. I really recommend you go do it because you have a pretty short webinar, like in terms of like webinar standards from what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we try and keep it to like 45 minutes plus like a 15 minute Q&A. Yeah, that's nothing nowadays. <laughs> okay, well, I want to say first off, just thank you so much for coming on, Joy. This has been an absolute pleasure and so informative for the listeners on here. Well, I hope so. Thanks so much for having me, Danielle. Thank you. And I'll talk to you guys all in the next episode. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I am so excited that you were able to go through it and get some actionable tips out of it. For next steps, make sure you go to danielleclem.com slash ad breakdown to get the complete ad breakdown around what one Insta ad did to help create 559 client leads and 20% sales increase in launch. Make sure to go ahead there to do that. And DM me at I'm Danielle Clem to go in deeper to the conversation. And last but not least, make sure to leave a rating and review so that this podcast can get out to more amazing people like yourself.